From the wheat fields of the Thumb to the cherry trees on the Third Coast, Michigan grows more than 300 different foods and products that we all enjoy every day. We're on a mission to find every local restaurant, manufacturer, and food company sourcing their ingredients right here in the mitten. And in the process, bridge the gap between the farm and your fork. We want to introduce you to all things Michigan agriculture and food. This is Michigan AF. As the second largest industry in Michigan, agriculture plays a vital role in our state's economy. It provides more than 800,000 jobs and generates nearly $105 billion in revenue. While those numbers are big, when you look at it across communities in the state, that's where you see farming and agriculture in action. Grobinzi is a community-supported and community-driven center that seeks to increase access to healthy foods, jobs, and life skills for residents in Northwest Michigan. Today, I am joined by Josh Stoltz, the executive director, to tell us all about Grobinzi and the vital work that they're doing in their community. Welcome to the podcast, Josh. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. So to get us started, can you just tell us what Grobenzi is and, and really who it serves? Sure. We are a nonprofit and we were established in 2008 at the purchase of a former commercial plant nursery. And so we sit on a four acre campus that includes um, greenhouses, a giant uh, building that used to be retail. that's now our event center. And then our co-working office spaces and we have a sewing studio and maker space is in the old ranch house that the former owners used to live in. And so when we purchased this property back in 2008 and started our nonprofit, um, one of the objectives was to engage and educate the, our community through agriculture because it is such a huge part of our economy, but also we know that food's good for us. That's awesome. So when you when you started the organization, did you go out seeking this land? How did you like how did you end up finding this this kind of ideal piece of property? It, it's a it's a perfect uh, story about a grassroots effort. So the conversation started at a local high schoolers graduation party that uh, this community needed a community garden. And so this this local group said, okay, here's some spots, here's some spots. They brought it before our local human services collaborative body, which is a network of all sorts of ages, agencies and nonprofits. And before you knew it, there was a work group cr created. There was 30 people that volunteered to participate in these meetings. And before you know it, we found this piece of property here in Benzonia that was for sale. And within 90 days, they found four co-signers uh, to write their name on the bottom line and incorporate as a 501c3. Wow, that is just incredible. Um, so really, it began as a community garden and farmer's market, but now you have a commercial kitchen, you have a food truck. How do these new initiatives continue to make their way into Grobenzi? For the first six years, it was really uh, passion projects from the board of directors because they were still, and this is before I started, they didn't have a full-time executive director until um, early 2015. And so it was a lot of interest based on the board uh, members and then community members. So that community, that, that commercial kitchen started by the passion of a couple, um, a couple board members. And that was through a grant from the Michigan Department of Rural Ag and Development. 
And so that was off to the races as well as the greenhouses. So the, the greenhouses are no longer heated, but there was a group of folks that uh, knew it was important to teach folks how to build their or how to grow their own food. And so based on grants and donations, uh, we got that up and running to where it was actually growing food that we could provide to local pantries, provide educational um, you know, classes and workshops and still have uh, some revenue to come in to help pay for that position. That was all in the early stages. Plus we had the community garden and that farmer's market. We were one of the first in Northern Michigan to offer food assistance programs because we had a fold line, no other farmer's markets out in uh, parking lots and different areas had access to phone lines back then. And since we did through this, uh, through the facilities, we were able to offer, we were one of the first ones to offer WIC senior project fresh and uh, double up food bugs. Wow, that's incredible. So really, I mean, this whole thing has been so driven by your community and by your board. That's just amazing. You also have an incubator farm. Can you tell us what that means? Sure. So the incubator farm um, is the same. So we have these three giant uh, hoop houses. And the original infrastructure was heated. The ground was heated through big boilers, and then it was all tabletop gardening and growing. And that was the that was the uh, original nursery plant nursery. When we purchased it, we had a grant, a couple grants that helped us hire a part-time contractor to be our farmer to to offer those educational workshops. But that was not sustainable. And so when I was hired and we completed a strategic plan, we recognized that not only were we competing with local farmers as a nonprofit that was subsidized, which you know wasn't our intention, um, we also we had to figure out how we were going to put our flag in the sand as a community entity and why folks should give us money. And what we realized was there's a greater need for the incubator concept throughout Michigan from you know kitchens is one thing, but having a farm where, new farmers or up and coming farmers have a chance to use, utilize infrastructure without their own personal investment and in going in debt, which is obviously one of the major drawbacks of starting a farm or, you know, d- deciding how large of a farm you, <laughs> you want to start. Um, we are able to offer that, um, offer that infrastructure as well as the local network. We have office space, a computer. Um, so we decided to, uh, reach out to the organic farm training program at Michigan State University and offer this as a space. And uh, through the Small Farms Conference hosted by Crosshatch up in Bel Air, uh, we found our first farmer and she was here for two years. She didn't end up finding new property and uh, she ended up retiring with her, her husband downstate. They're still looking for property up here, but she was able to hand off um, the space to our second incubator farmer and offer some some insight to the marketplace and, and know what the landscape was. And Farmer Carol was here for two years, also an OFT graduate, but she found her niche in uh, organic garlic. And oh. so after three years, she actually started her own, um, besides farming here, started offsite with a garlic farm and this year she sold out of her two and a half acres of garlic in one minute in online sales. So very much a success we would say. And then now after COVID, so we did have uh, you know an off year. So we had to redesign or kind of redevelop that space uh, because it grew over and there's mm-hmm. lots of weeds. And we, uh, we have a great uh, relationship with Chad Van Toll, owner of Cold Creek Farm. 
Now he's been developing his business, which includes hot sauces and, and spices. And so he has partnered with us and along with his team to use our space. So he used it this year for growing peppers, eggplants. He hosted a CSA as well as growing um, ingredients for his pepper sauce or his hot sauce that he is actually making in our incubator kitchen right on site. So uh, that incubator farm is an opportunity for folks to start their own businesses without the upfront investment. Um, our network of, of farmers and food entrepreneurs uh, just kind of lends its hand to supporting, you know, supporting them, uh, the, the new businesses get started. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about helping entrepreneurs in the community as well, because you're doing that. About how many uh, bin businesses has Grow Binzi helped start? Dozens. We don't have the exact number. Um, I can tell you that as with any business uh, environment, some succeed and some do not. So um, early when we started this 10 years ago, uh, we had a successful bread maker and bread baker maker and she had plugged into some of the local retail locations uh she was actually a retired teacher and as businesses find out after you know knowing their market and what it would take to scale up and how much time it takes she decided not to to ramp up and grow her business and she retired from from making bread so we would still consider that a success oh absolutely. it was still providing healthful foods because it was still handmade and made right here in, in benzie county uh but you know when it comes down to it a lot of businesses fail and there's lots of businesses that succeed so currently our kitchen is pretty busy with uh several caterers uh food entrepreneurs and um, food trucks that's really great so in addition to providing access to healthy foods, which you mentioned, uh, you provide life skills and jobs to people in the community. Why is that a core part of Grow Benzie's mission? When the board first was, was writing up that mission, we knew that agriculture and food would be part of it. Um, but the life skills, they really wanted to offer with an intention of lending a hand uh, hand up rather than a hand out. And so they understood the importance of the education and life skills, really bridging kind of old school mentality of using your hands and interacting with people and making things versus technology. And so a great example would be the sewing studio that was started in the, in the downstairs of our, of our studio offices. Um, again, it was the passion of a leader of a board member, Marianne Hendricks, who approached our local, one of our local uh, men's clubs at the St. Anne's uh, Catholic Church in Frankfurt. They know, donated six Husqvarna um, sewing machines. And voila, they now have this sewing studio that was hosting regular workshops to teach people how to use a sewing machine. And uh, it just evolved from there. When I started, it was tough because, you know, teaching life skills, we education, there's, there's not much money to be made in education. But when it comes to the facilities and resources, such as the sewing studio, um, we were able to, to pick that back up with a local energized sparkler by the name of Kathy Ross, who started a program called Days for Girls. And they make reusable feminine hygiene kits for girls overseas. Oh, cool. And with the support of Grow Benzie, she was able to recruit over 60 volunteers. And now they've made thousands of these kits that have been sent uh, around the world and locally 
um, with volunteers. And the great thing about this is those folks that are part of that network also provide their time and services for teaching kids and community members. So we still will host workshops, but we can I can call on Kathy or somebody on her team if we say we have a field trip that comes to Grow Benzie. So we can still teach those life skills to the younger kids. We've worked with Benzie Central Schools and offered them uh, sewing machines and materials so they could start an after-school program uh, teaching those life skills. So it's really m very much a part of, uh, besides food, very much a part of what Grow Benzie is, is engaging folks with a with that educational, experimental um, approach to, to learning life skills. That is so awesome. It's just such a well-rounded and diversified organization that really, I mean, there's something for everyone there, including youth. So tell me about the programs that you have for kids in your community. Well, cooking is another great example of life skills, right? So we, when I first started, we were offering an after-school program at Benzie Central that we had Frankfurt kids, Bear Lake kids. These are local uh, schools that we would teach them how to, you know, how to cook a meal. And that's just another example besides sewing when it comes to life skills. But um, when it comes to youth, they're just they're just experimenting. They want to know what they're interested in and what they're not interested in, just like adults. But for kids, we're let, we kind of have a little bit of leeway. They have more time to explore what their interests are. And when I started here um, as executive director, Previously, I had worked for a uh, nonprofit that was leading after-school programs throughout Northwest Michigan called Seeds After-School Program based out of Traverse City. And so I, I was part of that for five years that after I had moved back here to Northern Michigan and learned, I got to re-engage with my community because I did grow up here in Benzie County, but I also got to learn more about how kids, um, you know, appreciate having a voice in what they were, what they're learning. And so what I learned from from SEEDS and from the, the Weikert Center for Youth Quality Programming and, and my other education is that if you give them a safe space and an opportunity to make their own decisions, they do want to learn. They do want to engage. They want to cook. They want to do all sorts of fun things. They want to make music. They want to be creative. Um, that was just uh, was a way for us to transition from us not having that after school program because that was fun defunded or was not refunded. And that's when I started at Grow Benzie. So we started an after school program ourselves making bee boxes in the the local at Benzie Central um, where they were uh, learning how to use the jigs and these big saws to learn construction trade skills. But we were able to sell those bee boxes to our local apiary to make money to keep that cycle going and, and pay for the for, pay for the program plus we would teach adults once the kids knew how to do that we'd, we'd actually have adult workshops where they would come in and learn from the kids how to make bee boxes that our local bee guild uh, members could use for um, raising their own bees on their own property wow. so we've really been a part of you know youth is obviously uh, on everybody's mind everywhere around the globe i hope but for us we understand the intergenerational uh, intergenerational relationships are important for us to to have a have a positive community that's so cool and it's just so great that you're giving them a place right that they can go and they can they can kind of engage in those kind of opportunities that's really really fun yeah um, yeah place, place is important do you remember growing up did you guys did you have a place that you 
No, I mean, well, I, I was, by the time I got to middle school, I was involved in so many after school curricular things that, you know, I was, I wouldn't get home until eight o'clock at night anyway. But yeah, when growing up, it was, and I lived in the country. So, I mean, we just, it was, you know, came home and played outside until dark. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And school was the, was the third place kind of like for adults. You know, right. where where am I not at work or not at home? School, if if you're in the right clubs or in the right scenes, that's kind of a safe place to, to be and kind of learn as you're a teenager and whatnot. Well, Grow Benzi is that space for a lot of kids. And what we've been able to do is leverage our relationships and being the in, in the geography that we are, we can give them a space we can give all age ranges a, a place to land. So one of the youth programs that we host is called the five to one neighborhood center hosted by the great start collaborative um, of Travers Bay. And so every, uh, every couple Thursdays we have zero to six year olds come play at Grobenzi with their parents. So parents get a little bit of a curriculum. They get to learn, they get to meet other parents, <laughs> which is I think probably one of the most important things about being a parent is just to interact with other parents. Uh, but more importantly, it was it's a an opportunity for those kids to to or the parents to learn these really core concepts about adulting while their their children and their toddlers are playing with each other. So that's just one group. Then we have these after school groups. We hosted a, a, prod, a, a program called Project Nineteen with the local uh, court system. So we worked with. Uh, court-appointed kids who are on probation, and they would come here after school, hang out with mentors, make a meal, work on homework, and it was such a safe, safe and homey feeling in in our studio space that uh, it would uh, their numbers were through the roof because those kids did not re-engage with the court system. They actually were on a different trajectory based on that after-school program in this space. It's uh, Like I said, the studio office that used to be the house, when you walk in, you're walking into the kitchen slash dining room. It's all open. There's a big table. You can, it just kind of, you go, the smells, there's p plants and, you know, it just feels like a home. So a lot of times people will open the door and they, you know, they wonder if it's a business or not because it just feels it feels so comfortable. So that was a really it's really a nice setting for kids to come and feel feel like they have a space that they can uh, be themselves. Wow. So with all of these different things that are happening at Grobenzi and all of these different, um, you know, kind of options and things that are going on and you, you know, you mentioned to me, you're kind of, uh, or for a long time, you were kind of a one man show. How do you facilitate all of that and, and get it, keep it all moving forward? Well, when I started, like I said, in late 2015, we had our board of directors and we had some core volunteers. But as we develop these additional kind of, we call them partner programs. And we also call this the relationships that we have with these partner programs, the hive. So we call it a Benzi, our Benzi hive. So like that days for girls program or the five to one program or the incubator farm. Um, at times there's been over 20 organizations utilizing our services in space. We call that the hive. Well, that's not been all Josh, that has been volunteers or that has been facilitators and contractors that are leading the efforts based on their own uh, resources available to them. So uh, the Days for Girls program is all volunteer, but that like the uh, Project 19 was actually paid for by the court system uh, with those two counsel paid 
paid professional counselors that could re- that we would partner in the recruitment of the volunteers um, so we could we could support grow Benzie through our efforts but also kind of double dip when it comes to say volunteers or fundraising um, like days for girls now actually pays for, pays rent to use that sewing studio downstairs so the overlap of of the needs we just try to put on the table so it's transparent and we know that we're all you know that old all the ships are rising or you know the ships are rising together um so it was really it wasn't just josh it was my probably business background from when i own businesses out west and uh in marketing and sales but also just the passion of each one of those leaders doing their own thing so it's really really not uh not just Josh, it's, it's multiple people. Wow. Wow. So even just going back to you a little bit, the more you said, you know, you've owned businesses out West, you've, you've worked with other nonprofit organizations. When you saw this opportunity uh, to join Grow Benzie in 2015, what made you kind of jump at that? Well, I didn't need a job, but um, this was, this just seemed like an ideal community organization uh, based on my experience with with the campus and with the with the nonprofit, which was just a just a little, but um, the board of directors I, I had some relationships with, and then it was just the spirit that they were bringing to the table about the potential, not only for Grobenzi but for the entire community. Like they were they were energized about the idea of this being an incubator of multiple ideas. And being a community green space is what they used to call it. And uh, it just worked, you know, to, to be able to work 10 miles from my house, to be able to work and have the results of my work impact my f- direct family members, um, my extended family, my friends, my my the alumni, business owners. This, these are mentors. These are folks that help raise me in this community. You know, there's only 17,000 17,800 people in this county and uh there's only two two high schools and so the the overlap here of all the different communities so Grobenzi allows me to give back to the community that helped raise me in multiple ways so i was part of a lot of different uh different organizations and clubs growing up and now i'm kind of in that same role where i can make an impact on these multiple communities that are within our geographical community of Benzie County. Awesome. That is so cool. So if somebody uh, that is just now learning about Grow Benzie for the first time, but I'm guessing if you're in Northwest Michigan, you probably already know about it. But if they wanted to volunteer or donate, what's the best way for them to do that? Now is the best time to get involved with Grow Benzie. We've been working on a strategic plan now for multiple years because of COVID, but also because we want to make sure that we're not duplicating uh, any existing services in our county or in our region. So we are creating uh, kind of a new model for community development, and we'll be unrolling this throughout the end of uh, this year, November, December, and into next year. And what that will allow us to do is engage people with whatever resources they want to bring to the table. And if they have ideas, they can present those. If they have um, money to donate, we'll obviously take that. Um, If they want to volunteer time to help us with our facilities or administration or be a board member, uh, we can we can plug them in. If they want to learn more about the 
partner organizations that we host, uh, we can make those connections. So um, the best way is to, to connect through our uh, growbenz.org website uh, that has our newsletter sign up. And those will always have uh, links to learn more about volunteering or making donations. And then, of course, the social media uh, that we're a part of. Um, and then just calling. If anybody is even in the neighborhood or wants to stop by for coffee, we always have coffee or tea on. They can meet with myself or with Gaia, our assistant resource manager or board members. Um, as a community center, we have a lot going on, but we really grow based on the, the engagement we have from existing community members and then new folks that just want to introduce themselves. That's so cool. So any final thoughts or uh, information that we didn't share that you want to make sure our listeners know about? I think if anyone would uh, take take some advice to heart from a, uh, a nonprofit that's still learning what they're going to be when they grow up, is to, to make sure that when you engage and you're ready to be part of a part of a momentum or part of a movement or part of a even an organization, um, just recognize the full landscape of the community. What we are finding is there's so many passionate people. This could be retirees. This could be um, former business owners that have a great vision on what they think would be a solution for housing, early childhood issues, um, youth mental health. Their passion needs to go notice, but if they jump in and they try to start something from scratch without knowing the landscape of what's going on in their community, they're going to be duplicating. They're going to be um, making the, the resource pool a little, little smaller. And uh, I just would encourage anybody who even wants to start a community center or start an incubator or start a nonprofit to really um, plug into some other local, maybe some of the, the stronger nonprofit organizations in their community and find out who's doing what before they jump in and uh, and what they wouldn't be spinning their wheels but uh, they could probably save a lot of time and a lot of effort if they if they knew what the full landscape was absolutely that's great advice I always think that having a collaborative mindset is is the best way to ever accomplish any goal so thank you for sharing that well thank you so much for joining us on the Michigan agriculture and food podcast Josh grow Benzie is a really cool space and concept and I've just loved getting to learn more about it yeah thanks for the opportunity this was a lot of fun I look forward to next time and if anybody wants to reach out like I said growbenzie.org um, is the best way to find us Awesome. Thank you. Connecting people to locally grown food is so important, and it's great that organizations like Grow Benzie exist to do that in their communities. It's support of local entrepreneurs, kids, and of course, farmers that is part of what makes agriculture Michigan's second largest industry. I hope you'll come back soon to hear about more organizations, people, and foods that are Michigan AF. The Michigan AF Podcast is a project of the Michigan Ag Council and the Michigan Grown, Michigan Great campaign. We are a coalition of farmers and agribusinesses committed to providing the best possible foods and products for our neighbors, communities, and the state we all love. To hear more podcasts and to learn about Michigan's agriculture diverse sector, visit michigangrown.org.